0: Good morning Big Ten fans, welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Michael Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at MFC2123. It is Monday, October 28th, 2019, and this past weekend was absolutely fantastic for the Big Ten. There were plenty of big games, uh, the majority of them affected by the rain, which was interesting. However, there were still some pretty big scoring outputs regardless of the conditions and we'll start off with the biggest game in the conference it was billed as a potential Big Ten game of the year a few weeks ago unfortunately with Wisconsin losing to Illinois two weekends ago this past weekend the luster was a little off on this game however obviously still getting played still having national implications And all the Buckeyes did was come out and put a whooping on Wisconsin. Very reminiscent of the 2014 Big Ten Championship game, 56 to nothing. Not quite 56. I think that was due to the rain. The Ohio State offense was a little bit sluggish early on, but their defense was absolutely dominant. The Buckeyes had. Four sacks from Chase Young, two forced fumbles. He had five total tackles, for, uh, I'm sorry, six total tackles, five tackles for loss. The young man was absolutely dominant. The Badgers scored seven points total compared to Ohio State's 38. And let's take a look as to why. They blocked a punt, had a 30-yard drive. And the throw that Jack Cohn made, go ahead and watch it. Watch it again. I'm not quite sure Cohn was even throwing to his wide receiver, A.J. Taylor. He had two receivers in the same exact area. I just think he was throwing it up there. That's First of all, that's bad coaching. That's bad scheming. You never want two receivers that close to each other. Bad scheming. So, when they scored that touchdown, you uh, kind of thought it was a little flukish, and that's exactly what happened. The Buckeyes' defense was absolutely dominant. They stopped Jonathan Taylor, the one of the best backs in the country, and this is the second time that they've held Taylor in check. Taylor had 52 yards on 20 carries. That's a 2.6 average, but take a look at the other side. JK Dobbins was phenomenal. 20 carries, 163 yards, two touchdowns. He added three receptions for 58 yards. The young man shone bright. If you had to look and you didn't know any of the anything about these two teams, you'd probably look and say JK Dobbins is probably one of the best backs in the country, and that's exactly what he showed yesterday. As Dobbins has been flying under the radar a little bit, and I think now, at this point in time, you kind of have to look and say, hey, you know what, J.K. Dobbins, you're second in the country in rushing yards. I think now's the time to start talking about him in pretty bright light. He's about 270 yards behind Chuba Hubbard of Oklahoma State, the other OSU, but What he's done, and quietly, like I said, there's not a lot of, you know, he's not really going out there and doing this and that and this and that. Not a lot of people are talking about him. But I think the chatter should start talking about him right now because that Ohio State team is arguably one of the most complete teams in the nation. I think there's only one other team currently in the country that has an argument about whether or not they should be ranked number one. Now we'll get to the polls in a little bit. But the only other team that I think that can hold a candle to Ohio State and what they've done so far this year, and that's LSU. LSU is, plays in the tough SEC. They've got a bunch of wins, three wins over highly ranked teams, including this past weekend. They're, they're, to me, in my estimation, they are the top two teams in the country at the current moment. Things can change, obviously, because we've seen Ohio State stumble in the last few years. You had Purdue last year, Iowa the year before. So at this current moment, through nine weeks of the college football season, Ohio State, LSU are the two best teams to me that I've seen so far. Moving on to the other big game, it was an out-of-conference contest, Michigan and Notre Dame. In all honesty, I didn't see this one going Michigan's way. They've had offensive struggles all year. Notre Dame has played well. They look like a top-ten team. Lone was, lo, their lone loss was to Georgia in Athens. Mind you, That's that's a tough place to play, and they played the Bulldogs tough. It's not like they got blown out. It was a 23-17 loss for the Fighting Irish. But the Domers just got run all over in this game. Again, the weather played a big part in this one. Like I said earlier at the beginning of the podcast, the weather in the Big Ten region, the whole Midwest was terrible. It was raining, and there was a ton of it all day on Saturday. All day. And that really helped Michigan. Because they just ran the ball all over the fighting Irish. 303 total yards from Michigan on the ground. Now, they didn't throw the ball very well. You look at Shea Patterson's numbers, he completed six passes on 12 attempts. Remember, it's 12 attempts. Two of those attempts went for touchdowns. So, he was effective in the times that he got to run the ball. I'm sorry, throw the ball, but it was the running game, and it was a lot about Hassan Haskins. It was a lot about Zach Charbonnet, and on top of that, you need to go, and speaking of Charbonnet, he was the 24-7 true freshman of the week. Go on Twitter and go find the Michigan offensive lineman that continued his block into the sidelines. That was Steven Spinellis. That block was the epitome of the game. All you had to do is watch one play, and that's the play because Spinellis took the defensive lineman. He wrote him, wrote him, wrote him, finished his block well out of bounds, which I'm actually kind of surprised that you didn't see a penalty on because he was way out of bounds when he finished the block. However, that summed up the day for Michigan and Notre Dame. Michigan was very, very surprising, like I said. I, I just, I didn't see them being able to score this many points. 45 to 14. Very impressive. What is concerning to me, though, is Shea Patterson has issues with holding onto the ball. Yes, he fumbled three times, but didn't lose any of them, but I'm still concerned about that. He had fumbleitis earlier on in the season. That continued. A little scary going forward for the Wolverines. Yeah, it was wet, but Patterson has also fumbled when it hasn't been wet. So you have to look at that and say, all right, you take that with a grain of salt. And again, the passing, not quite there, but the win, a big win. Jim Harbaugh finally, finally breaks through and gets that big top 10 win that he's been missing because that's something that uh, Harbaugh really, really had issues with so far going on. He was 1-10 and 10 going into it. Yeah, he's 2-10 and 10 now. But I wouldn't consider this one a program-defining win. That would come later on in the season. He still hasn't beaten Ohio State in his tenure. He's 0-4 against the Buckeyes. And if Harbaugh can somehow manage to beat the Buckeyes that that'll be a big feather in his cap because he hasn't had that one before and this is one of the best Ohio State teams that he will face in his five-year tenure as the Michigan head coach so it'll be an interesting one to see but I I think that it's nice to see that Michigan didn't give up because they could have cashed it in they really could have with two losses already on their season five and two and a Top ten Notre Dame team coming in to the big house. They really could have just mailed it in and said, "You know what? Next year we'll get them." Next year. Very good job by Jim Harbaugh and his staff of getting some momentum, especially on the offensive side. The, the defense has been fantastic in Harbaugh's tenure, but the offense has struggled. And this this is a win that could propel them to a little bit more. Obviously. Their Big Ten and National Championship aspirations most likely aren't there for this season. However, not giving up is huge, I think. Them fighting, battling, not giving in, and getting a huge win at home against a rival in Notre Dame, big time, big time. Iowa Northwestern, Iowa went into Evanston blank Northwestern. That is nine straight quarters for the Wildcats without a touchdown. Yeah, they put up some points, a couple field goals, but it's just getting bad to worse here for the Wildcats. I think they wish they could reset their season because it would be nice to be able to kind of get things restarted again. I feel for Northwestern because The defending Big Ten West champs, they they deserved better than this. It was, it's just been, it's been a rough go at it. Offensively, you kind of figured, oh, Isaiah Bowser, he played really well in his freshman year, and he should probably be able to, you know, improve, move on, and get better. But he hasn't. He struggled this year, as Drake Anderson has come out as their lead back I mean Bowser's definitely enduring the sophomore slump averaging 3.5 yards a carry no touchdowns he's been hurt a little bit as well it's not good I think they also miss T.J. Green the senior Trent's son it's just been a rough go for Northwestern on Iowa's side however uh, you know the defense is absolutely fantastic and again the offense is the issue here Uh, Nate Stanley, just average. I'm going to continue to say that. I think he's an average quarterback. He's a game manager. He's not going to win you games. He's going to do exactly what he did this past weekend. Good for a couple touchdowns, but a lot of field goals. Two touchdowns in this one, two field goals, 12 of 26 for 179 yards. But again, the weather didn't help this one. I get that, but to me, Nate Stanley, eh, I think, like I said, he's an average quarterback. I do think he'll get drafted into the NFL, however. He's got the physical traits, but I just, I'm not very high on Nate Stanley. Not very high on Nate Stanley. Penn State went into East Lansing, and they beat up on Michigan State. The Spartans have issues, big time. Very similar to Northwestern. They've got a solid defense, but the offense is, I don't know where the hell that offense is. They played three quarterbacks in this game. Three. And although Mark D'Antonio said in the postgame that Brian Lewerke is still his starter, it's just not good. Because you can't find any consistency in any of the three quarterbacks. Rocky Lombardi came in and was not very good through an interception uh, on his just six attempts. Theo Day came in as well. Uh, he was two of three. But that that's it's an issue for Michigan State. Because if they could somehow find an offense along with that fantastic defense, they'd, they'd be in a whole hell of a lot more games. A lot more games. It's just, I think that's a, a big theme for this year around the conference. Offensively, there are teams that just struggle big time that have good enough defenses to win games. However, looking on the other side of Penn State, I've been pretty high on the Nittany Lions all year. I think they're a very good team. I wouldn't say elite, just for a few reasons, I think their running game still leaves a lot to be desired, but they're winning, and it doesn't matter, 8-0, Sean Clifford, very solid game, 18-32, 189 yards, four touchdowns and a pick, again, that running game was okay, a uh, leading runner was Journey Brown, he had 12 carries for 45 yards, Pat Freermouth, five receptions, and of those five receptions, three of them went for touchdowns, only 60 yards, who cares, that's, that's, a, that's a damn good effort out of them. And Penn State doing work. Doing work. That Ohio State-Penn State game, the second-to-last game of the year, where the Nittany Lions go into Columbus. A lot of eyes are going to be on that one. A lot of eyes because I see Penn State having a tough one this week against Minnesota. I'd love to see college game day. I think they're holding off. And we'll get to that we'll get to Minnesota in a minute, but i I think that game day could end up there, and that'll be a good one. Two undefeated, two top fifteen ranked teams love to see Game Day give some love to Minnesota. love it. I think they've earned it and speaking of earning it once again, the Gophers. 52 points over Maryland, 52. P.J. Fleck deserves a hell of a lot of credit because I've talked about this multiple times. Zach Anistad went down early on in the season, or not even in the season, in the preseason, early on in fall ball. He went down with an injury. And yes, Tanner Morgan played last year, but you didn't know what to expect. He obviously wasn't the starter coming into it, and Morgan's done well. He's engineered a go for team that puts up a lot of points. Twelve of twenty-one for one hundred thirty-eight yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. But the thing is, is all he's got to do is turn around and hand the ball off to some of his talent running talented running backs. He's got Rodney Smith back there. He's got Trayson Potts, Muhammad Ibrahim. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. He's found some some good chemistry with Rashad Bateman. Always the dynamic Tyler Johnson as well. But Minnesota, love it. Like I said, a couple weeks ago, they get past Nebraska. They're going 8-0, and they're going to face this Penn State team. And that's going to be a big game. Very excited to watch this one, Uh, especially with Ohio State on a bye. This is the game to watch next week. This will be the biggest game of the conference for the week. All eyes will be on this one. And looking at Maryland, oh, man, it is a mess. Mike Loxley started off fantastic. The luster has worn off. It's gone. So Tyrell Pagromi started the game played two series, Josh Jackson entered the game, Tyler Desue entered the game, all in the first quarter, mind you, Or uh, uh, first half, I'm sorry, there is a, I wouldn't say there's a quarterback controversy here, but Mike Oxley just wanted to get something going, and it's not good, it's not good, but Hats off to Minnesota that fifty-two to ten victory. Looking good. Well done, Gophers. That's they're they're really moving in the right direction. Illinois went into Purdue and another team with quarterback issues. Purdue. Illinois didn't necessarily play well. Twenty-four to six. That's a W. A four and four record. Lovey Smith's got the Fighting Illini at five hundred. They have an opportunity to go to a ball game. I think two weeks ago, that's something that you couldn't have said. But an upset of Wisconsin, huge confidence builder, big time. And then this W against Purdue in the rain. Again, the rain played a big partner. Because when you look at what the Illini did through the year, it was ugly. Brandon Peters only attempted six passes. For 26 yards. That's not going to get it done. Against better teams. Purdue has had a bad year. Two and six. Not good. You've got Dre Brown running all over the place. 18 carries for 131 yards. Reggie Corbin wasn't very effective. He had 12 carries for 47 yards. But the key here was Tony Adams. Adams had a pick six. Six. And that was it. That was all the scoring they really needed. The Boilermakers, like I said, have issues at their quarterback position right now. And that has to do with the fact that Elijah Sindelar is out. He's hurt. Jack Plummer got the start. And two weeks ago, Jack Plummer threw for 420 yards and I believe four touchdowns. Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. A lot has changed since that performance for Plummer he struggled big time got replaced by Aiden O'Connell and Jeff Brom said after the game that there's an open quarterback competition it kind of felt like like i said a couple weeks ago when when Plummer went off for that 420 yard game he kind of thought that he was going to be the replacement for Sindelar they have not found it jeff brom has not found it you have to think about the fact that they are missing their top two offensive players as well. Rondell Moore still hasn't returned. Who knows if it's even worth him returning for the rest of this year. Maybe if he feels 100%. But even then, I'd still play. But I think that this, this season's almost a lost cause for Purdue. I just can't see them. When you look at the rest of their schedule, uh, they're going to have to win out in order to get to a bowl game. And it's manageable. They could potentially do it, but I don't think that's going to be the case. They still have one tough game against Wisconsin. So I I just don't see that happening for the Boilermakers. But the Fighting Illini, hello! Got a chance to do it facing Rutgers this weekend. As long as they don't play down to Rutgers, they'll ultimately get that fifth win. And then they got to go one and two against Michigan State, Iowa, Northwestern. And it's crazy to think that Lovey Smith can do it, but I think he can. I think it's in there. 100%. It's in there. Rutgers. Got a W. Finally. None zero. Getting that W. And it was all behind quarterback Johnny Langan. Langan was awesome. It's Liberty, though. Just remember that. FCS. Liberty was actually favored in this one, which is kind of funny. You don't see that. Rutgers is one of the worst teams in D1. But thankfully for Rutgers, they didn't suffer a horrible loss. They got that W. Langan. 15 to 21 for 192 yards, two touchdowns through the air. On the ground, 21 carries for 118 yards and a touchdown. So it's nice to see Rutgers getting that win column. They don't have much to celebrate this year. Obviously, Chris Ash getting fired, Nunzio Capanelli taking over, not knowing who their next coach is going to be. But good for you, Rutgers. Congratulations on the W because that's probably the last one you're going to get for the year. Indiana went into Lincoln and got another W. Ball eligible for the Hoosiers. Hello. Happy for Indiana. I like this squad. I think they're really solid. Tom Allen has handled his quarterback position, I think, as good as you can. When you look at coming into the season, Peyton Ramsey – was probably the guy, he kind of looked, he said, yeah, hey, Ramsey did well last year, he's probably going to be the starter, well, it's not what Tom Allen did, he went with the redshirt freshman Michael Penix, and unfortunately for Penix, due to the fact that he is a dual threat guy, he runs a little bit more than Ramsey, Ramsey is more of your traditional pocket placer, Penix has been hurt, and what has Ramsey done? He's come in and played great. Aside from the Ohio State game, Ramsey has filled in admirably. And once again, this week, he did it. And it was a close one. It definitely was. As Nebraska scored late in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes to go to get it to that final, uh, Indiana was up two touchdowns after Stevie Scott's nine yard touchdown run 38 to 24 in the beginning of the fourth quarter but Indiana played defense and that's something that's not what the Hoosiers have done in the past 6 and 2 bowl eligible they are 100% going bowling i see the Hoosiers at 8 and 4 uh they've got a couple tough games remaining they've got Penn State in 2 weeks and Michigan, I think those are the two they drop, however, I think they beat Northwestern this coming weekend, and then they beat Purdue in the Hoosier State Championship, so that'll be interesting, very, very interesting, now, what's also interesting is what's going on in Nebraska, because I just, I don't know what's going on, They 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 sorely miss, sorely miss Adrian Martinez. Martinez for the second year in a row has gone down with an injury. Just can't stay healthy. The young man stay healthy. Nebraska be such so much better. But Noah Vidro came in, played, and then got hurt. Which led the way to Luke McCaffrey. McCaffrey played well. But the defense, the Black Shirts, they just couldn't get it done. Wendell Robinson had a good game, eighty three yards on twenty two carries and a touchdown. Also caught six balls for 71 yards. But unfortunately, the Huskers just didn't have enough defense, and Indiana becomes ball eligible and does it. All right, offensively, Players of the Week, these were the players that I liked. J.K. Dobbins, 20 carries, 163 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions, 58 yards. Chris Olave for the Buckeyes as well seven receptions, 93 yards, two touchdowns. Sean Clifford, the quarterback for Penn State, 18-32, 189 yards, four touchdowns, and a pack. pick. Pat Fearmuth, the tight end, got those five catches for 60 yards, but three touchdowns. Zach Charbonnet, 24-7 sports, Big Ten, I'm sorry, National, true freshman of the week, 15 carries, 74 yards, two touchdowns. Johnny Langdon. Rutgers quarterback, 15 of 21 for 192 yards and two touchdowns through the air. 21 carries, 118 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. And whoop, 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 Filer. for the Hoosiers. 14 receptions, 178 yards. I'm giving this one to J.K. Dobbins. He was phenomenal. He was the best running back in the Ohio State-Wisconsin game. Wasn't the best player on the field, but... He was definitely the best running back. Defensively, you've got Michigan's linebacker, Cameron McGrone, 12 tackles. Michael Parsons for the Nittany Lions, 12 tackles as well. Antoine Winfield Jr. for the Gophers, six tackles and a pick. Kid is just a pick machine, just like his father was. Also, defensively for Minnesota, another D back, Coney Durr. He had just one tackle but a pick six. Love that. Illinois' defensive back Tony Adams also four tackles and a pick six. Indiana's linebacker Micah McFadden had 11 tackles, but your Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week is the Predator, Chase Young. The young man has played himself. I mean, I think going into the season, people thought he was a top three pick. He's 100% 100% the conversation for the number one overall pick. Depending on who's drafting, you're looking at Miami, if they want a quarterback, they're probably going with Tag- Tua Tagovailoa. However, if it's someone outside for Miami picking number one, Chase Young, he's, I think, even if Miami's picking number one, I, I, I don't know how they, they pass up on Chase Young. He was a monster. Four sacks, two forced fumbles, six total tackles, five tackles for a loss. This young man is not National Defensive Player of the of the Week. I might lose my mind. He's definitely going to be – he has to be the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Has to be. Has to be. If he's not, I don't know what the hell these the, – the people who are voting are looking for. All right. Polls got updated on Sunday. Ohio State's checking in at three in the AP. Hasn't moved. They're, they're pretty much right there contending for the number one slot. Uh, LSU has that. Uh, Alabama, again, to Tagovailoa of Viola is hurt, but he'll eventually return. Uh, they had a solid win. Uh, Mac Jones, I believe, is the name of their quarterback who played this past weekend. And... He played well, but, again, Tango Viola is just something else. Penn State, the other Big Ten team, at 5, moved up a slot. You have Minnesota at 13, finally getting their due. It took them a couple weeks, multiple weeks to get ranked, but 13th, they've moved up. Michigan at 14, Wisconsin at 18, Iowa at 19. And that rounds out the conference for the AP on the coaches' side. If Ohio State at four. Not sure what the hell the coaches see because Clemson is ranked ahead of them. Coaches are better than this, I think. You got Penn State right behind the Buckeyes at five. Minnesota, same spot at 13. Michigan's down a spot from the AP. They're 15th in the coaches. If Wisconsin. They're up a spot in the coaches at 17, and then you got Iowa at 19, and that's it. One could argue that Indiana could potentially be in there. They are in the receiving votes. So we'll see if uh, the Hoosiers creep in there. We'll see. Not sure, but we shall see. ESPN updated their power rankings. They've got Iowa 23rd, Michigan 15th, Wisconsin 14th, Minnesota 12th. They got Penn State at 5. They got the Buckeyes at 2. Kyle Bangara and Mark Schlebach also predicted how the college football playoff plays out. They have Ohio State and Alabama in the final. I'd like to see that. I think that would be a good final. Uh, I would rather, obviously, I, I'd think if I had a choice I'd like to see the Ohio State LSU uh, just to the for the drama of the fact that Joey Burrow was a former Buckeye transferred out to LSU got to play last year and it's been absolutely phenomenal this year he's played himself into a first round pick I believe I'd like to see that one but Ohio State Alabama game would be pretty damn good too CBS Sports Jerry Palm and Adam Silverstein have Ohio State as a two seed in their College football playoff projections would be facing Clemson, the three seed. Uh, They have Bama as one and LSU as four. Uh, Again, I I think LSU and Ohio State are the top two teams in the country. Therefore, I think they should be one and two. Uh, Fox Sports' Joel Klatt came out with his top ten. He has the Buckeyes ranked number one along with the Nittany Lions at five. ESPN's Kirk Herbstreit came out with his top four. Ohio State tops it, and then his two others, he had Penn State in there, so uh, Penn State fifth or sixth. Uh, good job, I think, ranking those from the two talking heads from the big college football stations. Uh, not college football stations, but the biggest uh, you know networks that run over college football, Fox and ESPN. I think that the two biggest talking heads, they have that right. I believe. All right, recruiting wise, only one commit this weekend as Purdue added defensive tackle Bryce Austin from Michigan, the 6'2, 285 pound defensive lineman, had offers from Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana, Minnesota, Penn State, West Virginia. I like this pickup. He's only a three star, but look at that offer list. He's got both in state schools in Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, obviously up and coming, Penn State. so, I like this one. He's not a national guy. it's more of a regional guy. But, Bryce Austin is a very solid player. Jeff Brom should be very happy about that commitment. Let's update the recruiting rankings here for the 2020 class. Ohio State has dropped a slot at number four. That's okay. The Buckeyes have 24 commitments. Uh, they're right there with LSU, Alabama, and Clemson for the number one class in the country. Michigan dropped a couple spots as well to nine. Penn State also dropped a couple spots to 11. It's been pretty quiet on the recruiting trail for a lot of those teams because Michigan has you know, 24 commits as well, and Penn State has 27. So the Buckeyes, the Wolverines, and the Nittany Lions, I wouldn't say they're done recruiting. There's possibility for some decommits at any point in time, but not many players will be added onto those recruiting classes for the rest of this year. Purdue checks in at 26, Iowa at 27, Wisconsin at 28, Northwestern at 30. I'm a little bit concerned about Northwestern's class only because they haven't done it on the field, but if Pat Fitzgerald can keep those guys in the fold, Love what the Wildcats are doing recruiting-wise. Nebraska's checking in at 32. Minnesota is at 33, and then you're going to have to go a little bit further down to find the Terrapins at 43, the Spartans at 46, and then this is the point in time where we go way down low. We got to go find the Fighting Illini. We got to find Indiana, Indiana. 60th, Tom Allen, need to get going a little bit in the recruiting trail. He's had back-to-back good recruiting classes, so hopefully he could do that once again. you got Illinois checking in 88th in the country. Not good, Lovey, not good. They are having some momentum on the field right now, so you wonder if they could turn that into some success on the recruiting trail. And then Rutgers, understandable, 89th overall in the country, and you kind of figure... That's that's just not going very well for the Scarlet Knights. Uh, Michigan has canceled the home and home with UCLA in the 22 and 23 season. They immediately announced as well they're replacing them with Hawaii in 22 and East Carolina in 23. So they don't have to work on doing that. And then there is one note on the hardwood. Illinois guard Trevion. Jones is going to miss some games with the suspension for the second straight year. The sophomore was suspended for academic reasons and will be out for an undefined time. Uh, it's unfortunate because Jones looked like he could be a player, but uh, I guess Brandon Underwood's just going to have to deal with this one. And that's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. No, it was a longer one, but there's just so much going on in the conference that I had to talk about. appreciate the listen. Give me a follow on Twitter at MFC2123. Follow the website as well at Two Cents Pods. Like us on Facebook, Two Cents Pods over there. Rate us, review us, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great Monday, Big Ten fans. Talk to you tomorrow.